Welcome to The Connector, where we connect North Carolina to ideas and North Carolinians to each other. This podcast series is from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. And now to the conversation. Welcome to The Connector podcast from the Institute for Emerging Issues at NC State University. I'm your host, Samantha Graham, filling in today for James Herrick. We're continuing our series leading up to National Digital Inclusion Week in October, exploring the challenges of bridging North Carolina's digital divide. Today, I'm happy to introduce a new member of Team IAI, Jess Epstein. Thanks for joining us, Jess. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Jess will be working with regions and local communities who are just starting their digital inclusion planning process. Jess comes to us as a librarian by trade and has on-the-ground digital equity service experience. They join us at a good time because our team recently conducted a literature review of digital inclusion plans across the state and found some interesting statistics about the important roles libraries play in digital inclusion. Yes, the literature reviewed showed us that libraries were the most cited community asset within the digital inclusion plans that we were looking at. So that means libraries remain the go-to place for people of all ages for digital inclusion access and support. And that could mean device and Wi-Fi access to hotspot lending and digital skills classes. To dive deeper into this, we're excited to welcome Lori Special as today's podcast guest. Lori is the Digital Literacy Skills Coordinator with the State Library of North Carolina. Welcome, Lori. Hi, thanks for having me. Why don't we start with a quick review of your role? What does it mean to be the Digital Skills Coordinator at the State Library? (laughs) Oh, that's always a good question. Um, I came to this role um, after a stint in Colorado as the Director of Library Development. And I was here prior, almost 10 years, at the State Library of North Carolina as a consultant. In my role as the Coordinator of Digital Skills, our grant is called Library Strengthening Communities, and it's to create a program. And my program is to facilitate the the acquisition of digital knowledge and skills for and with individuals in rural communities throughout North Carolina. The goal is to the goal to accomplish this is through one entity that's been and will continue to provide lifelong learning and informal education in communities, the local public library. You know, Jess, you understand what it means to work in a public library. But I will be working with digital facilitators, and these are people that are going to be hiring throughout the state to work with library directors, professional and paraprofessional library staff to improve their own digital literacy and skills. And we are going to hopefully, this is one of the outcomes, to increase their the staff's confidence in their skills, their their through increasing their knowledge, it'll increase their confidence to assist patrons. And what we also want them to, what we want to do is model a cycle of learning from from the digital facilitators to the library staff and from the library staff to the people in their communities. And, you know, and this includes failure. I'd saying, I don't know, looking it up you know, using prior knowledge. So we want those things to happen. And and I think part of what is really important is that ability to, to just have 
not the ability, but just to have that feeling of confidence that just because I don't know it does not mean that I am somehow lacking or I'm stupid. That's really interesting, Lori. We hear, you know, we hear a lot about digital navigators in the library or just digital navigation in general. But I like what you're saying about this model of digital facilitation. What do you see are the advantages of digital facilitation, this this new model that you're discussing? In libraries, what we're doing with this program is working with staff to do the verb of digital navigation rather than be the noun of digital facilitators. And one of the main reasons that we're doing this is A, because this is what they're already doing. They're in libraries. Libraries are that are that one place where you can go in a community for that just-in-time digital navigation help. Often, people don't want to sit in a class. I've, I've worked in libraries for over 21 years, 22, over 22 years, yikes. And we have in the beginning, the dark ages of the internet, when everybody got Gates computers and we were teaching um, computer classes where we would have people come in because they had no clue what a mouse was. They had no clue what a keyboard was. You know, we were, I learned how to type on a typewriter. Now we've moved beyond that, that period where all of this is new. Nobody has seen it before. Nobody is, has any kind of idea of what a computer is. Now we have people who have computers in their pockets, in their purses. So for some people, yes, it is, you need, they need that basic, this is a mouse, this is a keyboard, but it's not like they've never seen them before. And when we go into digital navigation, especially in rural public libraries, people come in because I need, I, I need this information right now to do the specific thing. We can't tell them, and this is true even in urban libraries, we can't tell them, oh, come back on Tuesday when we're doing this class. I don't want to take a class. I want to know how to do this thing right now. You know, and, the, and that also comes from, you know, because in libraries, we've also done things like book a librarian, where you can set an appointment to meet a librarian. Often, those, those sessions go unused. So, with this program, we're, we're looking at how can we meet the needs of rural communities, rural, people who live in rural, in rural communities, through the staff who are there and who will be there. Because the money for digital navigators is going to go. And those people who are already there sitting behind the desks, roaming around, putting books on the shelves, working there are going to remain. And our, our program is called Library Strengthening Communities. And the way to do that is to build the capacity of an institution that has been there and that will be there long after this program is over. 
love that focus on capacity building. And you kind of hinted at this a little bit, but as we talked about previously, right, libraries are these key anchor institutions and in so many ways, but especially in digital inclusion efforts. And they have been for a long time, but maybe even more since the, the beginning of the pandemic. You know, this is a pretty significant ask of libraries and library mm-hmm. staff. What are the biggest challenges that you're seeing in filling that role right now? <laughs> you know, it's really interesting that libraries are often asked to do these things or they're not asked to do things. I think it's really funny that they're like, oh, we need digital navigators. But it's like, but wait, hello, (laughs) we've been doing this for a long time. Um, And then they're like, oh, yeah, they're anchor institutions. Yes. And we're a different kind of institution than, say, Cooperative Extension or the Community College who are who received federal funds through the Office of Digital Equity and Inclusion here in North Carolina. Cooperative Extension goes out and they work with people, they do classes, they tend to go to people. Libraries have tended to be a place where people can go. It's always open. When when I was a youth services consultant here at the State Library, I would call um, the libraries a school second shift when we worked with kids after schools are closed and on the weekends. That's where people could come to get help and support. We're that second shift after the teachers go home. And we're also open, uh, many are open on the weekends. This may differ in some rural communities as to how late they'll stay open. But that's one, and that leads into one of the, the challenges, staffing. Staffing is a huge challenge because funding, small or not even small, but just rural communities, Rural counties, most libraries in this state are county entities. We have some that are regional libraries, but we here in North Carolina, we have 13 rural library systems, which is a conglomerate of, they were created to support low wealth communities by creating an economies of scale where various, where numerous counties would get together and they would form this coalition to support library services in all the counties. Even back then, and this was in the late 60s, early 70s, but even back then, there was a need, rural Rural counties are different. They have challenges. They don't have those economic centers. They don't have the density of people. And so in many places, that hasn't changed. And even though, and I'm kind of getting off on an aside here, but I think it's really interesting that some of our communities that we considered rural as little as 10 years ago, are now or tier one communities, which are the the least 
wealth communities within the state because of their proximity to more high wealth communities. Now they've moved out, uh, they've moved to a new level. So some place like, I'm looking at my map right now, some place like Cleveland County, because it's in proximity to Gaston County, which is in proximity to Mecklenburg County, tier two. McDowell County, because of its proximity to Asheville, is tier two. When, when you go to these communities, you might have some pockets of, of wealth or pockets of upper middle class communities, but the vast majority of it is not. And so with that lack of funding, libraries cannot hire staff. They don't have enough staff. The staffing is very thin. Some communities are staffed with primarily, not, not just communities, some county library systems are staffed primarily with part-timers. They're staffed primarily with paraprofessionals. In some rural communities, the only person who is a professional certified by the state of North Carolina public librarian is the library director. So what that means is that knowledge that you gain from education, from experience, is not in the library staff as a whole. It's concentrated in one person. And that library directs everything. They are the manager. They are the supervisor. They are the head librarian. They are the ones who have to train the staff on new trends, on new things. They, they're often the IT person. They are also the county. They are the department head for their county or the municipality. They are the community liaison. They are the fiscal officer. They are the program specialist. They are everything. And then when you have all of those duties and those roles concentrated in that one, one person, when do they have time to say, hey, guys, we're going to train on this. I want everybody to know this. And this is where the state library comes in often is because, you know, especially library development is there to support and develop libraries, public libraries. And that's what this, that, that area does. And so they rely often on library development to bring the training and the knowledge to their staff because there's only so many hours in the day. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. And I appreciate the context of the various, you know, how it differs across the state and just the background of some of the economics of the situation. Um, you talked a little bit about how the state library is that, you know, development support. Are there other sort of partnerships or partnership opportunities you see in various communities to help alleviate this burden that is placed on libraries and staff? Yes. Some library, like, like local libraries, I started out, I became a library, a librarian 
in the mountains of North Carolina. <laughs> so, and I've worked in rural libraries and I've, I've worked in libraries that have also more suburban, but I've tended to work in the more rural parts of it. And in small and or rural libraries, because staff is embedded in their community, they are of the community. They live there. They work there. Many of them were born there. You know, they have dead people in the cemeteries there. So they have they have history. Because they are parts of the community, they, they're able to use their resources shamelessly, which is my motto, to partner, to outreach, as well as have people come in to support whatever the program is and vice versa. During the economic downturn of 2008, when everybody was like, cut budgets, cut budgets, a lot, most local libraries, small and rural libraries did not really cut staff because they are already bare bones. However, libraries like Charlotte, Greensboro, Wake, all the big libraries, Asheville, they were cutting staff and they were pulling back on programming dollars. That was a big, that was a big issue, especially, and I got a lot of that information because I worked at the state library. What we found is the small and rural libraries are like, hey, we know what to do with no money. We can tell you how to do things with no money. And what we found, and every year I would have this huge summer reading, these huge summer reading workshops all across the state. And one of the, the sessions that we had at every single workshop was programming on a shoestring. And a lot of it was about partnerships. Partnerships with local agencies, with nonprofits, with the fire department, the police department, um, getting support from businesses, having people in the community come in and do things with you and with your, your, your population that you serve, but also the librarians and the library staff talking, talked about going out and supporting the bit, you know, bringing what they have to the businesses. One of the things um, that was done is there was a, um, in one of the county, in Alexander counties, they have the Hidden Night Center, where the youth services librarian would go to the Hidden Night Center to have poetry slams and have art exhibits at the center. This was great for both of them. This was great for both of them. So rural libraries have a history of reaching out. The challenge now is after COVID, there has been so much turnover, not only in libraries, but also in their partner agencies in NC Works, Goodwill Industries, the health department, 
the police department and the fire department in schools, that those relationships have been lost. The libraries got new people. These organizations have new people and they're still down staff. You need space, you need room, you need breathing room to do more than just keep the lights on, help do reference questions, order new material, you know, serve the people who are coming in. Right now, many of them don't have that breathing room, whether it's at the library or the partners. And so hopefully, you know, instead of, you know, in providing and working with the libraries and especially the library directors in coming in and working with their staff on specific digital skills, specific digital knowledge, and making sure that, you know, it what we're doing is flexible enough to meet their needs while still making sure that what they're learning has a basis in sound practice. I want to ask you our final question um, because you touched on, you know, there's challenges, there's opportunities, and I'm just so excited to see how your grant plays out, especially in bringing these, this capacity building to various libraries. So what gives you hope in this work? (laughs) the library staff, the people who work in the library. We saw in COVID that the library is not a building. The library is the people. And, you know, as I talk, I don't refer to, oh, the library will do this, the library will do that. No, the library can't do anything. It is a building. It is stationary. It is not adamant. Animate, not or adamant, you know, it doesn't move. The people are the ones in the library that do. Everyone who works in a library is a lifelong learner. What they want to learn about is different, but everybody works there because the that environment of information speaks to them. And also people in libraries want to help. They wanna give you the right information. They want to see you succeed. They wanna see you do what you need to do. And that gives me hope. And what also gives me hope is that, you know, I did a, um, I'm interviewing library staff to see what it, library directors to see what it is that they would like to see in a program. What are their biggest challenges? What are some barriers? And, you know, staffing, transportation, generational poverty, you know, that, that lack of experience or family history of going to libraries for help, of asking questions. Those kinds of things are huge barriers. One of And one of the things that a few of the library directors talked about was bias and historic discrimination. In 1964, 
schools were desegregated and libraries were supposed to also become desegregated. However, some of those lingering biases still exist and trust has to be built up. And we've got a new crop of North Carolinians coming in who speak other languages. We have, we still have biases. We still have staff, you know, expressing biases against other staff or people who come in. The, the recognition, not only by library directors, but also by county governments of this fact gives me hope. Training is instituted. Just speaking it, you know, you have to admit you have a problem in order to overcome it, to see a way around it, through it, above it, under it. So that's what gives me hope that not we're people are looking at the digital divide and not only the lack of, oh, we don't have broadband, we'll get broadband and then everything will be great. It's more complicated than that. It's actually not just complicated, it is complex. You have lots of stakeholders, lots of issues. We can't, we can't, libraries and library staff cannot meet all of those challenges for all of the people. Right now with this pro project, we're looking at digital literacy, digital knowledge in public library staff, and hopefully by addressing these barriers, we can tick them off, the ones that we can deal with one at a time. Thank you so much, Lori. That was amazing. Um, I love what you said about libraries not being a building, but it's the people. And um, we really appreciate your work and we appreciate you being here today. Um, I would like to thank our guest, Lori Special, Digital Literacy Skills Coordinator with the State of North Carolina. And Jess Epstein, Band and C Project Specialist with the Institute for Emerging Issues. Thank you both so much for being here today. For more information on Band and C and efforts to close the digital divide in North Carolina, visit emergingissues.org. Until next time, let us all stay connected. This has been a presentation from the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. To learn more, please visit us at emergingissues.org.